Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast. I am Dustin Owen, and I apologize. Sorry, not sorry. No, JC, no Coleman today. I have someone better sitting in the hot seat. She is Credit Christie. That is Christie with a K, K R I S T I. CreditChristie.com is where you'll find her. She is a loan officer. I am. She is a credit expert. I am. And she has a passion for helping people with their personal finance. I do. Christy, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Um, so today, I would love to pick your brain everything about credit. Awesome. I mean, everything from why does it matter that my credit score is great and not good? Um, how do I make sure I never have bad credit again? If I have bad credit, what can I do to change I'm sure you're going to tell the audience their behavior, their lifestyle. For sure. Um, are there any such thing as quick fixes? More importantly, are there certain gotchas out there that I should be aware of? Because, well, maybe I saw an ad on TV at 2 a.m. when I called the 800 number, and I'm pretty sure the person that I talked to was wearing a pinky ring and also runs a loan shark business on the side. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. So... Christy Service is yep. where you'll find her, creditchristy.com. Um, so where do you want to go with this? Because this is your show. I just get to host it. But it's all about credit. And it's all about you. So much fun. Thank you. So um, I'd love to start with sharing some of my number one tips for credit and also make a warning. Um, credit Karma has, um, you know, like an underlying <sighs> method to their madness. Yes. Um, well, I want to hear your take on it, mm -hmm. but before we jump into it, here's what I say about Credit Karma. Okay. Credit Karma is I walked into Panera Bread and I really wanted a Pepsi because I love Pepsi. My parents grew up in the Northeast. They don't sell Coke up in the Northeast. They sell Pepsi. Pop. So, yep. And I'm like, hey, Panera, give me a Pepsi. They're like, sure. No problem, Dio. Here's one coming up. And I sip out of it and it's freaking Diet Coke. Mm. To me, the whole Credit Karma thing is like going to Panera ordering a Pepsi and they handed me a Diet Coke. Am I, is that a, a fair analogy? I know it's kind of far-fetched analogy, but is that a fair analogy? And can you dive deeper into what you're going to go with uh, in regards to your thoughts on Credit Karma? For sure. So Credit Karma exists as a marketing agency. Most people think that the two credit scores of the three credit reporting bureaus that they receive are their credit score. And that's actually not the truth. There are literally dozens of scoring models out there. And what Credit Karma is showing you is a retail credit score because what they want to do is make sure that you get approved for as many credit cards as they say you have a possibility of being approved for. So you go in to look at your credit scores. They'll, they're really uh, wonderful at making sure that you log in on a monthly basis, right? They send you that email saying, hey, wow, Christy, look at that credit score. So you log in. It shows you what your quote unquote credit score is for that moment in time. And then what happens is they have all of these suggestions for different credit cards that you could get approved for. And when somebody clicks on that credit card, Credit Karma gets paid. No way. Yes. You mean they're a for-profit business <laughs> that truly is just trying to find ways for me to be offered more credit. For sure. In return, they are giving me a credit score, but it's what you call a retail 
it's credit score. A credit score. It's actually not the credit score that matters. So it's kind of in the realm of what we might find when we pull credit for a mortgage loan application. But as you know, it's a completely different credit score because we use a risk-based model approach when we pull for a mortgage credit report versus what Credit Karma is looking out there. So here's an example. Let's say you owe 10 different companies on a level of a collection, not just in good standing. And you go and you dispute those with all of the credit reporting bureaus. Is disputing a good thing or a bad thing? Well, disputing just eliminates it from the calculation. Okay. So it's a fraudulent number, if you will, because it's not calculating in everything that actually appears on your credit profile. So I can dispute items. Mm -hmm. And I can basically manipulate the system. Temporarily. Temporarily. But if it truly is my item, then, then the manipulation I did to get a higher credit score is temporary. It's temporary. It at has which to point be, it's false. Correct. Okay. It would have to be removed or paid. Um, you know, that dispute has to be removed in order to usually go forward with the mortgage loan application. Um, and it, it falsifies your credit rating. So it's just a temporary, it's almost like um, how Old Navy puts uh, smaller numbers on larger sizes to make us feel good. Do so, they do that? Yeah. Oh man, I need to go check out my my, uh, my blue <laughs> jeans. I, I actually own Old Navy jeans. I use them when I go out riding horses. And I've never noticed to see if my sizes look smaller than maybe the pants I wear to work. Yeah, so full disclosure, I'm a size eight. When I go into uh, Old Navy, I get to buy a size six. I feel great about I myself. I you do. That's fantastic <laughs> marketing. I love that. Now, on, on Credit Karma, so are you saying that Credit Karma makes it easy for me to go out and, and dispute those accounts or that Credit Karma doesn't um, account for accounts that are disputed or collections? Or is it just understanding that with Credit Karma, it's not necessarily the the credit score that's going to be used to make a credit decision unless maybe I'm trying to apply for a retail consumer credit card. Is that? Yes. All okay. of those things. You can't dispute through Credit Karma. You'd actually have to go through the credit reporting bureaus to make that dispute. But it is giving you um, a snapshot of what they say your credit score is based off of their scoring model. Okay. So the, the intention for them is to say, hey, Dio, look at those really great credit scores. You qualify for this. I'm just going to plug somebody for a moment. Venture credit card where okay. you get these you know, travel miles. Or if you're at a 550 credit score, hey, you could rebuild or restore your credit by having this secured credit card over here and, and help rebuild a good credit rating. But it's good for me to know if I'm the consumer that this credit score that I see on Credit Karma is not going to be the credit score my bank or my lender sees when I'm applying for a home loan. And I'm assuming that's going to apply also to auto loans if I'm trying to get a car loan. Absolutely. Just because Credit Karma says X, my Ford dealership may tell me why. Correct. And, and you know what happens? Somebody's going to call and say, my credit score is 40 points lower. You just dropped it 40 points. No, you're comparing oranges to apples. Yes. Yes. You're giving me Diet Coke when I wanted Pepsi. There it is. They're all sodas. They're all in the pop family, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Tastes different. Yes. Yes. Uh, very cool. What else can I be doing? So let's say, let's just assume um, I have I have bad credit. Look, I have some collections. Um I have maybe not a whole lot of credit. Like, I don't want to be that person. Right. Right. Because I've recognized, because I've been to your website and I've seen some of your videos and I'm, I'm understanding that by having good credit, I can save tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over my lifetime. Yes. And maybe I'm a younger professional. Maybe I'm recently married. Maybe I'm in my 20s, my early 30s, and I'm making a decision that I want to change my behavior. Where do I start? Where do I go? What do I do? Like help. I'm lost. 
I just need someone to point me in the right direction and then press go. For sure. So first and foremost, you are not your credit score. You are more than your credit score. So don't get caught up by that number because it is something that can change upward or downward, right? But you have control of that. Um, I have a podcast. It's Credit Coaching by Christy. And so I've got very short episodes there, little nibbles for somebody who's just really wanting to repair or get started on their credit. So I've got a lot of useful information there. My favorite and actually the most listened to podcast episode is talking about being an authorized user on somebody's okay. card. So this is my favorite tip. Um, first off, inquiries are 10% of what makes up your credit score. Okay, I want you to repeat that. Mm -hmm. Inquiries make up 10% of the calculation that creates your credit score. So, and I say this because so many times, and we don't know any better, we as consumers only know what's passed down to us, whether it's folklore, half-truths, or fake news. And I know you you see this in your profession as a loan officer, and I've seen it my whole career too, it's, oh my God, don't put my credit, you're gonna make my score lower. And, I, and, and you're now telling us today on this show, uh, not really true because Credit inquiries only make up 10% of your score. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The really significant portion of what makes up your credit score is payment history and the depth. So this is why I love um, advising somebody to become an authorized user. So there's no inquiry because if you become an authorized user on somebody else's credit card, you're actually not responsible for that debt. So a couple things happen here. There's no inquiry on your credit, so there's no hard hit. There's a hard inquiry when you apply for debt. And P.S., when you are asking for a credit line increase on an existing credit card, you're actually asking for a future existing, you know, um, increase on, on the credit line. It is a hard inquiry. That's good to know because a lot of professionals in our industry, when you're coaching someone on credit, a go-to has been, hey, it looks like your balance to limit ratios are too high, which by the way, that's probably a tip you're going you're gonna to share with us yep. in a few minutes. But a trick was increase your limit. Yes. But you're saying be careful yes. because it will register as a hard inquiry, Correct. which could drop two or three points. Yes. Um, now, granted, two or three points, when we're talking about 760 points or 680 points, it's still a minor number, uh, but you may not get as much bang for your buck. You're suggesting the biggest bang for the buck is... Becoming an authorized user. So just to complete the thought that you just started, if you are going to increase your credit limit or make that request, you'll want to do that on a credit card that is at least two years old. Okay. Uh, otherwise, it's it's kind of like when you first start dating somebody, you know, in the first six months or a year, things are really good. It's really easy, right? Um, after two years, you have enough of a history and a relationship there that they can trust you having a higher... I love that limit. analogy. Yeah, like first six months, they might not be meeting parents. They might not be going to like your cousin's wedding. When you have a fight, it may be a big blowout. Right. Um, the highs are high, the lows are low. By about two years, you figured shit out, right? Yes. About two years into it, look, everyone knows you. You've come to the family functions. Yeah. You know what fights are important. You know which ones I can are. trust you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. I like that. Yeah. So about two years. So becoming an authorized user, here's here's the key. You want a long-standing bank-issued credit card. So Chase, Capital One, Discover, something like that. Go to a parent, go to a grandparent, somebody who has a long-standing relationship with uh, a credit card. So for somebody to have a 15 or 20 year uh, history with Discover, if they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s, that's not far-fetched, right? Correct. So if I were just coming out of high school or just starting a profession, I would ask if I could get um, become an authorized user on that card. So what happens is once it hits credit, my credit, 
because I've been added as an authorized user, I get that entire history. Even if I'm only 18 years old? Correct. Okay. So it, it doesn't hit, like if I start a new credit card today, it'll start getting reported in the next couple of weeks, but it's only starting from right now moving forward. As an authorized user, it has that entire history. So the goal is something that has, you know, maybe $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 limit and a very small balance. So if somebody's maxed out on their credit card, it could actually hurt you. Ooh. And that's where it comes into the debt to um, income or the uh, debt utilization. Yes. Yeah. Formula. Yeah. I think I call it the debt to limit. Like, like yep. what's your limit? How much do you owe? And I've just and never been formally trained. So this has just been picked up along the way. So I don't know if this is a whole truth, a half truth or fake news. Um, I tend to tell people, make sure you never, ever, 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 ever owe more than 50% of what your limit is. Mm, used to be. Used to be. Used to be. Okay. That was the golden rule. And really since the Great Recession. Uh, okay. So first off, let's just call it what it is. Most Americans on their credit cards use it as an installment loan. And it was never intended to be that way. Okay. okay. So most people carry a large balance, uh, almost maxed out on their credit limit, and they just feed that baby every single month. So they're kind of treating it like an installment loan. Well, an installment if they quit using it. If they don't quit using it, at this point, to me, they're using it to live beyond their means. Correct. And that's just it. Most of us don't follow a, a household budget. And if you don't follow a budget, you don't necessarily know where your income is outflowing. So there's usually more month left than there is money. And that's why we wind up with this balance on credit cards. Okay. So you just mentioned, mentioned budget. Uh, Coleman and I have done at least one. I'm going to look. He's behind camera. Coleman, can you remember? Has it been two or one? I'm budgeting. Yeah, I'm budgeting. I think we've done two episodes already. This is episode 42 or 43. Yeah. If we have time, depending on how much longer we have on credit, could you stay and do another episode where we talk in depth about budgeting? Absolutely. And okay. I have a fantastic budget that I can share as well. Yep. And this is the anti-Dave Ramsey yes. budgeting. Dave. Awesome. No, let's save this. Let's <laughs> save this because I want to stick to credit because our listeners have been craving for something on credit. Okay. And I know enough about credit to get me um, in a sticky situation You're or out dangerous. of a sticky situation, but it's not enough to be like, yeah, I'm going to go out and buy right. my own domain, DO's credit. No, you are credit Christie. Yeah. I'm not. So let's stick to credit. But then if we have, uh, we're going to make the time we're gonna. to do one on budgeting. Super. Okay. That's called foreshadowing. <laughs> And we're going <laughs> to foreshadow to a next episode or episode two away from this one, at which point we're going to jump into budgeting awesome. with, with Christy. Super. All right. So back on credit. So we're talking about authorized users. Yep. Becoming an authorized user is the best way. So if you are applying for debt, that debt that is carried by the uh, owner of that credit card is the one that's responsible. So I don't actually have to use that payment against you as far as monthly debt, carrying debt. So it, it helps also if you're applying for, say, a mortgage or an okay. auto loan or something. It's not held against you. Yeah. Like it would be a car payment or your own credit card. Perfect. Yeah. And then back on the topic of balance to limit. Yes. So balance to limit. You told me my thought process is old school. Right. I love being OG. So that's totally fine by me. <laughs> my thought process is old school. It used to be never, ever, ever, ever charge more than 50% of your limit. So if your limit was $1,000, mm -hmm. never owe more than 500, even if you're going to pay it off in full. Used to. But you're saying it used to be. Yes. So what is it today? Now the golden rule is 30%. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yep. 30%. I, I can tell you most people aren't there. No. Well, and, and, and you know, the problem I find is a lot of people, they have starter credit cards. Mm -hmm. A starter credit card has a limit of $500, $800, $1,000. 
and well, it's COVID, so we're not booking cruises, but let's say COVID wasn't around and we're booking that Caribbean cruise. Well, for my girlfriend and I, my spouse and I, my husband and I, it's, it's $850. Mm -hmm. Well, I have this credit card and I get points and they go and they put 850 on this credit card. That's a thousand dollar limit knowing they're going to have it paid off. Well, let's say they're super responsible. Oh, okay. And they're going to pay it off for the next three, three months. Okay. But in the meantime, in the meantime, they have a maxed out credit card. In the meantime, there's 680, which is average, right? Average credit score is 680. Is that a fair assessment? We're a little bit below that in the state of Florida, but on a national level, it's about 680. Yep. So that 680 average credit score is now a 650. Yep. It, For it, no reason besides, hey, I want to take this cruise. Right. I'm going to put it on this credit card. I've never missed a payment. Yep. But maybe I've done it with this credit card and two others. They get punished. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So 30%. That's rule of thumb. Like that is a um, ding, 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 yep. like rule of thumb. Never, ever owe more than 30% mm-hmm. of your limit. And that's where authorized user cards come into play. Because if grandma's Discover card has a $5,000 limit, but she only puts gas and groceries and pays it off every month, you're actually tapping into that allotted credit. So this authorized user thing is amazing. So especially if it's, if it's granny, because granny drives 17 miles a month right. and she gets gas <laughs> once a quarter, right. um, l- granny has this Discover card that she's had for 20 years that she's never missed a payment on, mm-hmm. that her balance to limit ratio is like she's at 10% yeah, ever maybe, of right? what of what her limit is. Yeah. I get to tap into that for all the benefits, mm-hmm. but you're saying if I called you up to apply for a home loan, you wouldn't have to count granny's debt against me. Correct. We would just have to prove, oh, that's an authorized user. And it will report that way okay. on the credit report. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. What other tips and tricks that, you know, again, like, like thinking of, I wish this was taught to me up front. I wish more people had access to this information. Mm-hmm. Like the easy one is this guys. And I'm not even gonna let Christy say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna steal her thunder. Pay your damn bills on time. Amen. Right. That's a great way to have good credit. Let's start there. <laughs> but I know from experience that that doesn't always happen as easily as it's said. Mm-hmm. There's certain life experiences that a lot of us have to go through before we learn certain things the the hard way. Yeah, but deal. When I've got somebody who has four or five or 10 maxed out credit cards and they run out of money before their next paycheck, so they're maxing out, they're trying to get um, credit increases, they're starting another credit card to go and max that out, and yet their nails are all done, their hair is done. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's next episode stuff. <laughs> that is next episode stuff. That's why you're sticking around and we're going to talk about budgeting. It's it's choices yes. for a lot of people. But okay, so we get past the pay your damn bills on yes. time. What are some things that people need to be doing? Authorized users, one, that's fantastic. Give me another one. Here's what I wish I was told uh, growing up. So when, when I went to go and get my first credit card, I was going to go to Macy's because that's what my best friend Crystal did. And my mom said, you are not going to Macy's and getting a credit card. <laughs> I was like, why not, mom? And I'm stomping and, you know, having a little yeah. fit. She said, at Macy's, you're, it's not a requirement to buy something there, right? You're going to feel kind of pulled to buy something there. Go to Target because you still have to buy toilet paper and toothpaste. And I went, oh, that, that really kind of makes sense. Okay. So that way I'm not lured into going and buying really expensive clothing just to use my credit card. I have to have toilet paper. And That's toothpaste. great advice. So there's not some award that you get for having 15 store credit cards in your wallet. No. No. 
I did not know that. I thought, now I can start building up credit. I'm going to go and build up. So mom gave me some great advice, but then when I moved out, the advice kind of stopped. And I was, I've got this. I've got, th- I've got it all figured out. Mom, I was 18. I knew everything, yeah. right? <laughs> so um, moving forward, knowing that store credit cards and having a whole lot of them is not, it's not really helpful. So okay. having one installment loan and one revolving. So an installment loan, and you can have more than that. It's just, that would be a nice mix to start off with. So an installment loan is going to be a mortgage, a student loan, or an auto loan. Yep. And a revolving is going to be a home equity line or what most of us are, are familiar with is credit cards. Yes. So no need to have 10 store credit cards. So um, the other thing is most of those store credit cards charge somewhere between 24.99 and 29.99. By the way, that's horrible. It's disgusting. Yes. I thought there was something called a usury rate, and apparently that doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) So um, store credit cards, I would would, uh, encourage people to avoid. So let's walk us through this. Um, I can't get a credit card. I went to Macy's. I went to Walmart. I went to Target, and they keep telling me no. Mm -hmm. What do I do? So if... If you don't have somebody in your life that you could be an authorized user Mm -hmm. on their card to be able to start establishing a credit history, uh, the next best step is to get a secured credit card. So it's your own money, but again, we've got to still apply those same rules of that 30%. Okay. Where do you prefer people to go? Well, I would always recommend your local bank. Okay. Start there because I think um, having a relationship with your banker is really significant. Unfortunately, most of us are so used to these big box banks and you'll never see the same banker again and those kinds of things. I love working with local community banks. Uh, There's a local community bank here that also has a credit builder account, which is really amazing. Who is that? Throw it out. Seacoast Bank. Seacoast Bank yeah. in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, love them. Okay. Yeah, community bankers that really think in in the terms of how can I help you, my neighbor, right? So there's a, a program called the Credit Builder, and it's your money, and you pay an interest. I think it's 1099, which isn't terrible, yeah. especially in comparison to credit cards. And they set it up basically as an installment loan. And so as you make these payments every month, I'm just going to make up a scenario. I don't know if this is accurate. Let's okay. say you agree to 60 months and $2,500 and your payment is $50 a month. So you make those payments every month. That that money is getting um, put over into a forced savings account. So it's not actually payment on a debt, but because you're paying that 1099 interest, they're reporting it to the credit reporting bureaus as an installment. Oh, loan. how cool. So you're not actually borrowing money. You're using your money to report it as a payment and it is coming out of your checking account and then moving over here to uh, what will eventually wind up being a CD for you. And the bank is collecting the interest on yep. it. Like that's their fee, right. but they're helping me build credit. They also have to pay though to report to those credit reporting bureaus. So part of part of what you pay in an interest rate goes to those reporting fees that the three credit reporting bureaus All right. get. This next question is probably going to be loaded. Okay. And with it being loaded, if you're like, hey, that's a whole other episode, we can definitely punt it. Collections, <laughs> medical collections, charge-offs, repossessions, tax liens. Like these are some of the gotcha moments yep. that they scar, they bruise, they last forever. How does one who has any one of those things impacting them in a negative manner, how do they move forward? So um, it is a very loaded question, like loaded, but let me try to give you the short and skinny as much as I can. Okay. If it is a new collection account, try to get that gone. Like try to get it off of your credit report. Do I pay the full amount or do I immediately pick up the phone and try to, to negotiate? I'm, I'm a negotiator by okay. nature, so I would call and try to negotiate. There's not going to be much of a change as far as the impact on your credit if it's uh, reported as settled for less than owed 
or paid in full, as long as it's a paid collection. Now, there's an additional level. Let's say I didn't pay this credit card, okay? And it was um, Capital One. Okay. So I've got this uh, this credit card collection over here, and then Capital One sells it to Portfolio Financial Services, and okay. they're trying to collect on it now. Now it's appearing on my credit report that I have two credit, uh, excuse me, two collections, but it's actually only one account. I could go to Portfolio, settle up with them, and there's something that you can uh, ask for. It's called Pay for Delete. Okay. So you can pay for, you can pay, it, you might have to pay in full or 80 cents on the dollar. You're definitely not going to get 20 cents on the dollar. Okay. Whatever you can negotiate with them to make that go away, you need to get something in writing from them that says that they'll delete that account. Now, it's only the secondary collection will be deleted completely off of your credit report, not that original. So it still shows that Capital One was a collection. Yes. It still shows that I settled for less than amount owed. Yes. But the secondary company, portfolio yep. management that... Capital One sold that to, they will delete themselves if I pay them. Yes. They will delete themselves from my credit report, which helps me. What's significant about that is that Capital One may have held on to that um, collection attempt for years, and now all of a sudden you have this brand new collection from, say, portfolio. So that's where it hits. If it's a new collection, it's going to it's going to be a really big punch to your score. You know, it's so crazy is um, so here at the Waterstone Office Building in uh, Central Florida. I have heard rumor, we have this rookie loan officer, a guy named Casey McElroy, who's crushing it. And I'm pretty sure what you just explained, someone else about three months ago tried to tell me, hey, get with Casey. He has figured something out in the credit world that is really helping his clients take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, you just explained it to me so easily um, and so clear. Now, how about this? Um, if I have a collection, do I make payments on the collection? You could. They're likely not going to even reflect payments until it's paid at the to the agreed apart. Wow, it, they'll likely not report it being paid until it's paid in full. Yeah, and I asked that. I, I want to get your take. Like my take has always been, if it's a collection, you either do two things: you pay it, it or, or you don't. don't. That's, That's it. That is it. Because a lot of times by paying it, it becomes like you're you're awakening a sleeping beast every single month when you make that payment. I'd rather see someone try to negotiate for 30 cents in the dollar, mm-hmm. 50 cents in the dollar. And when we say that, guys, what we're saying is, let's say the collection company says you owe them three grand, pick up the phone and be like, hey, I got 1200 bucks. Like, will you what settle you for 1200? Yes. I will give you $1,200 today if you will give me a letter that states I owe you no money going forward. Correct. That is settled for, for less than amount owed. That's what we mean by 30 cents in the dollar, yeah. 50 cents in the dollar. But an open collection hurts worse than a, than a closed and paid collection. And to your last point about awakening a sleeping giant, there's something that's called a date of last activity that's really significant when it comes yes. to collections. Yep. So, it, yes, if you do contact them, all of a sudden this date of last activity kind of re- reignites this account and it could actually have a, a more negative impact if you go and start talking with them. So if it's older than two years, I say just let it let it rest, let it go away. Uh, if it's a medical collection, it doesn't have to be paid at all, right? But it still has – here's what, yes, here's what bothers me about the credit – well, there's a lot of things that bother me about the credit reporting bureaus – Probably the number one thing, though, is there's no differentiator between a medical collection and any other collection as far as how it impacts your score. A collection is a collection is a collection. And it could be a $10 medical bill or it could be a $100,000, you forgot to pay your Maserati bill. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're going to come after you for yes. this. Yes. No, I, I'm, I'm finding myself thing. getting anxiety right now because you're touching on a subject that I'm so passionate about, which is medical collections mm-hmm. um, and that industry as a whole. And I wish they were held more liable. And I see what they do to not ruin, but temporarily, temporarily displace credit worthy people. Yep who have never missed a payment, but somehow, some some way, a $50 medical collection showed up on their credit report, and they should have been a 780 credit score getting a 2.75% interest rate today. Instead, they're a 660, and they're qualifying at a 4% interest rate, all because they didn't know that Dr. So-and-so needed 50 more bucks. Well, and, you know? and there's so much confusion around what's paid by your um, insurance and what's not. You get this letter and it's all convoluted information. Yes. And you just kind of presume it's being paid for you or somebody would contact you, right? You would think some nice nurse would call you and say, hey, you owe us $100 and it doesn't work that way. And unfortunately, it's not a mismanagement of money, right? That That's yeah. the big difference. So something that that our industry as loan officers, like right now you and I are talking more as colleagues who have a passion for helping people with their personal finances. But we both are professional loan originators at some point in, in our career. You produce still at a very high level and I'm a has-been, all right? But but at one point I used to be kind of good at being a loan officer. But here's the one thing Can that- Can you retract that statement? Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> a has-been, has I'm a has-been. Um, but the one thing that this industry taught me one of many that I wish this was taught in high school. I wish this was taught in college. Ladies, gentlemen, parents, if you go to the doctor, make it a point of your monthly routine to pick up the phone and call your doctors and be like, hey, do I owe you anything? I'm talking dermatologists. I'm talking OBGYNs. I'm talking hospitals, especially after you gave birth. Especially. Um, You know, if you had to take an ambulance ride, if you had to have x-rays, you went to a center care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just in general, if you can add a daily, not even daily, a monthly discipline to your routine, do that. It's one of those things where an uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Christy can talk about it for days. I can talk about it for days. The clients that we have seen come across our desk that are well-qualified home buyers who should be A plus credit are not, and it had nothing to do with something that they did intentionally, but something that happened as in the byproduct is a 50 to a hundred dollar medical collection that if they knew about it, they would have paid it instantly. Instantly. Yep. Um, now where, where do you go or what's your go-to or like, what won't you touch? When is it like, kind of like, Oh wow, that's out of my scope. You need like the specialist. You need the a surgeon. Credit repair company. Ugh, yes. I hate that term. I, I wish it was a better term than credit repair. Do I you know. have a better term than credit repair? Restoration. Okay. Credit restoration. Credit restoration. Yeah. yeah. Um, it feels like we're taking some antique and we're polishing it up, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's yeah. It's, Fresh coat of paint. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear repair, like, I don't know, I take my watch to get repaired. Yes. But I don't take my body to get repaired. Unless I'm like truly injured, like I blew my ACL, okay, I need to get repaired. But if I need to get in shape, no. Right. I contact a nutritionist, I start eating it and following a healthy diet, mm-hmm. I join a gym, I may get a trainer. Like I would never call that repair. Right. And to me, that's what some credit situations are that. It takes maybe changes of habits. And it changes it, it takes maybe consulting with experts to be a guiding light or to be a coach or a mentor. But what what certain topics are like, hey, you need restoration, you need 
a a a surgeon. Yep. So I I can't touch repossessions. Like okay. I, like there's just not much you can do with that. But and those are typically cars, right? Cars and boats are things that get repossessed, repos- and maybe yeah. campers. Yep. Okay. Yep. Usually our, our fun toys. Yes. That we thought was going to be amazing, and you're paying this really high interest rate on it, and all of a sudden, you know, and and it's unfortunate because a lot of people who wind up having to go to say a buy here pay here kind of. Mm-hmm. auto dealership and they pay really high interest on that car and then it turns out to be a lemon and you're spending just as much in repairs as you are on the payment and it's just like this catch-22 you wind up having to give the keys back or just stop making payments and wait for somebody to come tow it out of your driveway and it's unfortunate that somebody had to wind up at a buy here pay here but they wind up there because their credit was wrecked and their credit was wrecked usually because of poor decisions in the past okay so when we're young and dumb and we just don't know we kind of tend to be a little reckless with our decision making and think, oh, I'll figure it out later down the road. Um, but it will come back to haunt us. And then there's also this layer of stuff where um, we just didn't see it coming. So let me give you an example. Student loans. Okay. Student loans is a thorn in a lot of people's uh, backs right now. And here's why. We have no idea what we're signing up for when we go and sign for another student loan, another student loan, another student loan every semester to live off of some of that money while we're putting ourselves through school. Six months post-graduation, your payments come back are now, you know, starting, but Nelnet doesn't do a good job saying, hey, your payments are starting. So you might receive some mail, but it doesn't tend to be really in people's faces. Or Nelnet sends your notice to where you lived uh, sophomore <laughs> year, and here you are six months removed. And by the way, you no longer live in Gainesville, Florida. You're living in Fort Myers. For sure. Yes. Or they sent it to your ALL account when you started <laughs> with them 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Like you're not checking that account anymore. That account doesn't exist for you. So when that happens, now you wind up with, and they don't notify you until you are 120 days plus late on your credit. That's when it hits. They don't show a 30 day or a 60 day or a 90 day late. They wait until you're 120 days plus late and then smack it down on your credit. And all of a sudden you get this email from Credit Karma that says, Dio, what happened? Your score is pathetic or something along those lines. I click delete on Credit Karma because they're just (laughs) trying to get me to get a new credit card and I'm not down with that. I I have my one installment dead. I have my my two revolving credit cards. I have three lines of credit. I need nothing else. I'm keeping those two revolving debts at 30% of my... Uh, of my limit You're because Credit Christy taught me that and student. I am going to follow her advice and also pay my damn bills on time. Pay them on time. Pay my bills on time. Student loans in general, that's a whole nother episode that, um, again, I start getting on my, my soapbox and I'm like, where's the ROI? I'm like, what are you talking about? Where's the ROI? Like who sits down with these students and says, Hey, you're going to borrow 40, 80, $90,000 to get a degree in X. And this is what you should anticipate making. Does it make sense? Where's your return on investment? Right. Or who's sitting down with the student saying, by the way, you're supposed to eat ramen noodles. You don't necessarily need money for, uh, four meals at, you know, your local favorite re- Darden restaurant every single day when you are going to college. No, eat PBJ, eat ramen noodles, go hungry a day, work a part-time job. Like maybe your student loan should only be for the essentials, right. whatever you can't cover. You know what I used to do? I used to go to Wacky Wednesday, three ninety nine pizza at Hungry Howie's and it was dinner on Wednesday night. It was breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Thursday. And it got me through Friday morning for breakfast if I had one piece of pizza at every meal. <laughs> that is awesome. Like, no, that's, that is fantastic. I was a ramen noodle person. Okay. Like ramen noodles was where it's at. 
or a rotisserie chicken from Publix. See, there you go. A Publix rotisserie chicken. It goes pretty far, doesn't it? Except for when I went to my powerlifting phase, and then that was dinner. Oh. Like, yeah. legit, a whole entire chicken. That was, and you're that still was hungry. dinner. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, not anymore. Not, not, at, not at this stage. Now I'm going for the slim look. There you go. But at 21, I wanted to go for the sure. big look. Sure, sure. Um, that's really all the time we have for this episode. Cool. You and I could probably wrap back and forth just on credit, and I could sit here and pick your brain and ask you tons of questions because you're a plethora of information. Remind the audience again, they have questions regarding credit. Yep. How do they get a hold of you? So you can email me at questions at creditchristi.com. And so Christy is K-R-I-S-T-I. Um, I am not a credit restoration company. I just happen to know a whole lot about this one thing. Uh, I have creditchristi.com. And then the podcast is Credit Coaching by Christy. I'd love it if you follow me. Yes, please do follow the podcast. Uh, hit her up if you have any questions when it comes to credit. Um, she's also a really kick-ass mortgage loan originator. So it's another person you can call if you're looking to buy a house or finance a house. I'm Dustin Owen. She's Christy Service. We're out.